Hi everybody, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles Stories of the Supernatural. And I hope you enjoy this new show, whether you're viewing it on the internet or listening to a podcast version of the episode. I do want to thank you for being part of my audience. You can also find links to videos or podcasts on MiamiGhostChronicles.com as well as where you can submit your story about any eerie experiences you've had which I would love to hear about. Just go to the Submit Your Story tab. Please subscribe to our channel so that you receive notification of when we release a new show. And find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This is where I usually live stream and where I give you a behind-the-scenes look at locations where new episodes are being filmed at. I also tell you about all the interesting guests that will be appearing soon on Stories of the Supernatural. I hope you enjoy the show, and I think you are all wonderful. Hi, everybody. This is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles, Stories of the Supernatural. How are you all doing today? And again, I am thrilled is not the word, uh, beyond thrilled with my guest. Uh, he is Mr. Mark Anthony, known also as the Psychic Lawyer. Um, and he is, uh, obviously, he's an attorney, but he is a fourth generation psychic medium who communicates with spirits. Uh, he's also a successful attorney, uh, licensed to practice law in Florida, Washington, D.C., and before the United States Supreme Court. Uh, he graduated from Mercer Law School with honors, which included the study of law at Oxford University in England. And he's also studied mediumship in England at the Arthur Finlay College for the Advancement of Psychic Science. He's also an author, and uh, he has two bestsellers. One of them is titled Never Letting Go, and the other one, Evidence of Eternity. Uh, he's appeared nationwide on TV and radio, and he recently appeared on CBS's TV hit show, The Doctors. He's a featured speaker at conferences, expos, and universities nationwide, which include Brown, Columbia, Harvard, and Yale. So please, uh, I would love to welcome... Mark Anthony, the psychic lawyer. How are you doing today, Mark? Thank you for having me on the show, Marlene. I'm doing great. It is fantastic to have you on um, because, as I was, we talked briefly right before we started. Uh, it's you you bring um, in this area of because, and that's one of the distinctions I make. You are not only a psychic; you're a psychic medium, and not everybody has those two when it comes to being psychic to be able to connect with people on the other side. Uh, and you have that ability, right? Uh, yes, uh, this is an ability that runs in my family. Both my parents had this, and it's even was chron it's been chronicled back to uh, the early, uh, early 20th century. Uh, about a year and a half ago, there was a PBS special called The Italian Americans, mm -hmm. and my maternal great-grandmother, Giovanna, was actually mentioned, they had some clips Pictures really? of her, yeah. And there was discussion about her psychic abilities. Uh, I, I, I'll never forget watching it on TV. It's like, oh my gosh, it was really, really wonderful. And so uh, this appears to be a genetic trait that that runs in my family. Uh, okay. And 
so from an early age, I was seeing spirits, but it didn't really bother my parents all that much because they understood what was going on. Uh, my, my dad wasn't really happy about it um, because both he, well, he and his one of his sisters were both mediums, and his oh. sister was treated very, very badly. Uh, and in fact, her husband, who was um, a fundamentalist uh, Christian, had her committed to a mental institution. Oh, my God. And, yeah, it was horrible and subjected to forced electroshock therapy uh, so that she would stop these delusions. And, and the fact is they weren't delusions because her ability was spot on. Plus, she was also psychic in that like one day he was supposed to go to work and she didn't want him to go to work. And she started throwing a fit saying, I, you, I have a terrible feeling. Please don't go. Please don't go. So he didn't go. And that day he worked at a uh, steel plant in Pennsylvania in okay. a crane that was lifting thousands of pounds of steel beams. The cable snapped and it crushed the workshop that he lived in and it killed everybody, I mean, uh, that he worked in, killing everybody there. And if he had been there because he was a machinist and that's where he worked, was in this little machine shop at the steel factory, he would have been killed like everybody else. Yes. So, you know, you think he'd be, you know, somewhat grateful. Uh, but I was, was about to say, him. did that convince yeah. him? Well, he, you know, it's funny because um, my mom who's passed on, she, she says, oh, that guy was such a jerk. She goes, he's <laughs> such a narrow-minded religious nut. And the thing is, um, when, I, when I say things like religious fanatic and religious nut, um, I'm not crashing on Christians. A real I Christian understand. is about peace and love and understanding and not casting the first stone and not shoving their beliefs down your throat. Um, exactly. The world has far too many religious fanatics, yet not enough people of faith who and, and whether they're a person of faith that, that who is a Hindu, a Buddhist, Jewish, Muslim, Christian, Taoist, it's all about peace, love, and understanding. If you don't yes. approve or you don't like somebody, instead of judging them and trying to pass laws against them, how about yes. just pray? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> pray. Exactly. Yeah, I, I have a problem with the uh, judgment and the con condemnation of others because even if you think that let's say your beliefs are they're going to the hot place let's say you're one of these people right like you said either pray for them but the thing about um where people use it as a mantle of self-righteousness yeah i have a problem with that as well uh, absolutely um it, it's yeah the, the the problem with christianity is that too many Christians don't practice it. They think because they say, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, that gives them a pass mm -hmm. to act in every conceivable way that was the exact opposite of how Jesus taught us how to behave. Yes. But uh, anyway, I don't want to get off on Oh, well, no, no, uh, let me tell you something. I'm a big but... believer that regardless of whatever your religious beliefs are or what you identify with, how's that? I think uh, that I, I, I agree. Um, you know, my, some my... people it's like what they identify with versus what they actually practice. Well, uh, I like um, uh, what George Harrison, the late Beatles, said. He, he's one time he was quoted saying, "All religions are branches of one big tree. It doesn't matter what you call God, just so long as you call." Mm -hmm. And I remember I posted that on Facebook on Religious Freedom Day recently, um, saying that you know, and I did a little slideshow, showed Buddha, Krishna, Jesus, uh -huh. uh, showed a mosque, showed some Native American, and people are writing in, "There is only one God, Jesus." Oh, I mean, boy. they were not getting it, you know, because the the thing about freedom of religion is it also means freedom from religion. Sure. And, all right, I'm going to get political just for a second. Go right ahead. Go for I, it. I, I, you know, I really despise 
um, this whole religious liberty movement in our government mm -hmm. because they're trying to say, oh, you're in, you're infringing on our religious freedom. But what they're doing is they're creating a vehicle where religious groups can now interject yes. their religion into government. And that's the reason why our founding fathers created the separation of church and yes. state in the First Amendment, because they saw a thousand years of religious warfare in Europe. Yes. I mean, everything from the Crusades to um, the Thirty Years' War to the unending strife in, in uh, the United Kingdom between the Catholics and the Protestants. Yeah, the, the schism, yes, absolutely. The, the schisms, the wars between France and England and France and Germany and, and the Inquisition, and it just goes on and on. And what the religious liberty people are not realizing is what they're doing is creating a vehicle for Muslims to take advantage of that to in yes. interject Sharia law. And upon that's scary. Us. It's real scary. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Sultan of Brunei, he bought the Beverly Hills Hotel and I saw there was a boycott because he wanted to implement um, Sharia law in his kingdom of Brunei which includes putting gay people to death. Yes. All right, now, now try doing that in Beverly Hills, right? You that's going to, boy, and, that's... Yeah, and, and there was a huge knee-jerk reaction. It's like, how can any thinking person mm -hmm. want to resort to this Dark Ages, Iron Age, yes. fear and, and uh, superstition? And so, you know, like earlier we were talking before we went on air mm -hmm. about a lot of fear being involved in spirit communication. Well, the problem is these religions, um, especially uh, books like Leviticus, Deuteronomy, the Quran, um, uh, other aspects of, of the more primitive aspects of religions, are manipulated by people to increase fear. And yes. it starts this us versus they syndrome. We're right, you're wrong, you're different from us, yeah. you're wrong. And, and that is not what spirituality and God is all about. Absolutely not. No, it's I, not. I, I believe as Gandhi uh, did in that we are all the children of God, so do not raise your hands against your brothers and sisters simply because they call God by a different name. Well, I think that unfortunately, I'm not going to say all religions, but really a lot of re religions, if not now in the present but in the past, it's been about control versus uh, spiritual development for the followers in that religion. And unfortunately, fear is a very powerful tool to make people fear and that for control and and, and like you said that we're right they're wrong that kind of thing and if you want to be good you got to come over to our side or join our group or our religion yeah that unfortunately i think that's been handled uh in a lot of ways but of course it's masqueraded as uh we're the right ones we're the the saviors or the we're the right we're the ones the chosen ones for god and that like you said, we're all, regardless of the identity of our religion, we're all God's children. And he doesn't pick you, you, yes, you, but not you. I don't think that's right. Yeah, I don't, I don't ever recall Jesus saying, kill and persecute those who do not believe. Um, but there are so many people who are very yes. quick uh, to do that. And what people need to realize, and this is one of the concepts that I write about in both of my books, in Never mm -hmm. Letting Go and in Evidence of Eternity, is that God exists in spite of religion, not because of religion. Yes. And religions are a man, and I'm using the masculine, man-made yes. um, dogmas. And, and you can understand it, too, because when confronting 
I don't want to say confronting, when connecting, that's yes. a better word, connecting with God. God is pure energy. God is this infinite um, um, connection with everything. Yes. Well, the human brain simply cannot grasp the concept of infinity. Mm-hmm. The always was, always will be. Um, and uh, the, the concept of, of infinity, that, that something that goes on and on forever, although quantum physics does. Right, the ever-building universe, which is hard for, exactly. like you said, for people to understand that something, there is no finite, in other words, attached to it. So, yeah. Yeah, so, so religions were created by people who were um, connecting with God and to anthropomorphize, in other words, put a human face on it so that we can relate to the infinite through a human uh, face. And because these religions were created thousands of years ago in male-dominated society, of course, God would have a very king-like way. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was speaking to a group of African-Americans recently, and I said, we all know God's an erotic white guy sitting on a throne with a scepter, right? (laughs) And I mean, they were laughing, so we were all laughing. And I said that, you know, that's a Michelangelo painting. Okay, and, um, and, you know, and and it's funny because I had a friend from Germany, and he wasn't the sharpest tack in the box. He said, well, we know what Jesus looked like. There's a picture of him in the Bible. I'm like, oh, right, right, the blonde hair blue-eyed you know Aryan nation uh, Jesus I said then why does Jesus look Greek when you're in Greece and there's paintings why exactly. does he look Spanish when you're... he goes I never thought of that I go that's because CNN wasn't there filming him okay right exactly people, it's yeah, like... yeah people create a, you know like for you and I the idea that God may be Chinese okay yes. what may not resonate with us but if he had an American look to him it's like okay you know um, and, and the thing is, I'm not faulting that people no, do that, absolutely but they have not. to realize that's, that's a means, a, a, a way for us to put a finite, relatable face on that sure. which is infinite. Exactly. And, and I'm going to give you a perfect example. In Vietnam, they have what's called the Lady of Lavang, which is uh, a Marian apparition of the Virgin Mary. But she is Asian looking. She's beautiful. It's a beautiful representation but she was seen as by the people that live there what they look like and i personally don't take i don't think it takes away from the you know the validity or the belief but like you said as far as the limitations of how what makes it easier for us to connect with the divine is to basically connect with something that we say hey that looks like me or like us you know as in where you live at or the people you're with and, you know, the Virgin Mary, if if we go back thousands of years, there's always been a super mom in all the religions. Yes. In the ancient uh, Egyptian religion, it was Isis. Mm-hmm. And Isis was wonderful. She was loving. She was protective. And the fascinating thing is that when the Romans occupied Egypt, the one Egyptian god that spread throughout the empire was Isis. And her temples were everywhere. Yes. Well, 300 years or so later, when the empire shifted over to Christianity, instead of tearing down these various temples, they were converted, and yes. the color associated with Isis was blue. Yes. And so the temples of Isis then became churches to Mary, which is why Mary, the mother of Jesus, is always depicted wearing blue and white. Mm-hmm. And isn't Mary the feminine face of God and the super mom and the loving and nurturing, caring uh, female energy? 
And yes. and I don't have a problem with that because I've never thought that God was strictly male. Right. I believe that God is both male, female, and, and maybe even transcends, in other words, is beyond right, exactly. gender. So, so I think that that I, thing I, of yeah. is just for us to be easier to to deal with it, you know, to it's it's the limitations on us. It's not on the divine. Oh yeah, yeah, the limitations on us, the limited finite being, not on not on uh, the infinite. And what what we're seeing now, those of us who are are studying like yourself and and others who are studying the afterlife and spiritual and paranormal phenomenon, you know, we're taking it out of the the boogie woogie spooky wookie realm mm-hmm. and now we're beginning to say see that this is a phenomenon which is energy and yes. everything's energy uh i mean you know, albert einstein said that there is no matter there's just energy which vibrates at different frequencies yeah. and so when we die what happens is the electromagnetic field in our brain which um, i refer to as quantum consciousness mm-hmm. uh which people of faith refer to as a spirit or a soul, uh, simply transfers to a higher frequency. In other words, we don't right. die, we transfer. I mean, that doesn't take away from the pain of losing a loved one yes. in a physical sense, but who and what they are did not disintegrate. They remain, um, uh, consciousness survives physical death. And exactly. so it is through this understanding that helps us realize that you know we're just living in the material world, or at least perceiving that we're living in the material world for a very short time. Well, and and um, and I think that, in other words, the way I look at it, which is when a soul wants uh, to incarnate on this plane, they need a carbon-based vehicle to do so. That's how we get the body part. And then once, for whatever reason, through trauma, disease, old age, it doesn't serve you anymore to be on this plane. Like you said, then you keep on going because your frequency, you don't need... The, this anymore <laughs> you don't need the body anymore and then you go no. on to uh but I, at the same time i could see where uh you know how they say people that when you're incarnated on this plane you kind of lose memory of all of this and i could see how that could get in the way sometimes if you were trying to live life here um, well sure sure uh, but there's been a number of studies where people come into this life, and this is one of the topics that I discuss in my book, Evidence of Eternity, mm-hmm. in the chapter on reincarnation, yes. where people have very vivid and accurate memories of prior lifetimes. And what I like about this field of study is that Dr. Ian Stevenson, who was a psych, I believe he was a psychiatrist at the University of Virginia, he, he's, he's deceased now, or rather he's transitioned now um but he started a a study of over three thousand children that had memories of prior lives and he was the first person to take the scientific method and apply it to reincarnation in a purely objective manner he kept religion and preconceived notions out of it he felt it was very it was very important to strictly focus on the data and it is amazing that children all around the world and children that are not necessarily influenced or indoctrinated by religious dogma having all these similar experiences right uh, down to um and and the the coolest part uh marlene uh, is that children who apparently incarnate long after their prior life would be able to be reunited with a quote-unquote family from a previous lifetime yes. and 
reveal incredible details about them. Yes. You know, and, who's and, having an affair with who, right. uh, what the house used to be painted, um, who died from what, what their names were, their occupations. I mean, something a five or six-year-old could not possibly could not know. know. Exactly, because of time, distance. Yeah, it's an impossibility that they would have the access to this information unless they had been there. And they were, Correct. but just as a different person. Oh, yes. Um, um, I've, you know, I've been a hypnotherapist for quite a few years, and I have done regressions. And um, people have been surprised, especially when you take them back, because a lot of times they do it kind of not really believing it or having certain expectations about what they think they're going to see in their prior lives. Uh, and it turns out to be quite different quite different and I've used it also with people that are uh, experiencing some some type of phobia something that they can't account for why they fear this this or a certain situation and sometimes they have had uh, moments where they the understanding you know how when you understand something then you get it it's like I get it now and it kind of like makes that go away you you understand why you feel that way and and you take it from there uh, but contrary to what a lot of people think, a lot of the, that is not like a clap of thunder and instantly your your understanding makes you better. It's a process where your mind assimilates it and so on and so forth and you move on. Now, let me Have ask you. I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, I want to ask a quick question because mm -hmm. I, I love regression therapy. I think it's fa fascinating. Have you found that people that may have certain phobias like of the water or whatever, um, for, for example, they say that people that are terrified of the water, it appears that they have drowned in a previous life. Do you feel that those type of phobias seem to come up and by confronting it, it begins uh, the process of them getting through or possibly yes. even getting over their phobia? Yes, right. And I explain to people the, the difference between a fear and a phobia is a fear you understand why you have that fear. For example, if you were a child and you were attacked by a dog and now you're really afraid of dogs, you know why you're afraid of the dogs, okay? Right. There's people that have phobias where you, they have no reason. They can't think of a reason why. They would be afraid of something or, like you said, water. And if you do a little bit of age regression, every once in a while you will find some type of experience in really early childhood, okay, that explains it. And I explained to them that the, the, your mind, basically it's set up to protect you. And certain memories, it will basically give you an amnesia kind of deal where you don't realize you have it because it's trying to protect you to keep you functioning. And at some point, you might little by little remember, or you might spend an entire lifetime and never remember. And all it is, is just your mind protecting you. But then sometimes you go through age regression, and then you go back into past lives. And yes, in a lot of cases, people, it, believe it or not, sometimes it's something that happened to them personally, as wherever they were, a drowning, or a loved one. Let's say, for example, a child, you lost a child, or somebody significant to you in let's say a drowning and you almost like assimilate that fear and in this lifetime you you have a fear for yourself but the the origins of it are something different and as far as what you were asking as far do people get better yes and that's what i mean a lot of people think oh i regressed i saw this lifetime where let's say i was a sailor or a fisherman and i drowned and now i get it you witness it and then a lot of times what I find is people will start having little by little really unusual dreams because that's how our brain speaks to us in symbols, symbology. 
and you start venting it out. And little by little, you realize as the weeks and months go by that that phobia starts to dissipate. And if it doesn't ever totally go away, you are okay with it. In other words, let's say your fear was, I'm really afraid of, of the water. You might not become like a, a, a fisherman. You might not want to be on boats, but you're okay. You know, that phobia where get me away from it and you're ready to run somebody over, it goes away. It's manageable. It depends. Everybody's okay. different. Everybody's that's different. awesome. Well, you know, I've always had this terrible fear of heights. All right, and I live in Florida, you know, which is like... You're good. Days. You're good over and, here. And, 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 yeah, and I don't like having any type of phobia or fear. So when I was in Hawaii, I decided to go zip lining. And they said, oh, we have eight different lines. Well, the first one wasn't so bad. It was 50 feet long and about 10 feet off the ground because, you know, they get you used to the harness. Well, they progressively get more, you know, intense. And then the last one was 800 feet long, and it was between, um, to me, it looked like two mountaintops because we were about three, 400 feet up in the air. And I remember standing on the little step with the harness on, and, 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 and I'm, like, I'm breaking out in the cold sweat, and I says, you know what? i got to get through it. So I just jumped, and I did the Tarzan yell the whole way across yeah. the, oh, and, and everybody <laughs> was laughing. And when I hit the other side, it broke out in cold sweat. And uh, I haven't had any dreams of falling since. And yeah. it really took a huge dent out of yes. Uh, and I think that that's very important is for us that if you do have a fear, you have to confront yes. the fear. And it's it's not easy. And you got to, you know, I mean, if you have a fear of fire, that doesn't mean like go jump. Exactly. Door, um, but you need to realize that you are the one in control, not the fear. And this is also, and I love the name of your show, the, the Miami Ghost, you know. Chronicles, uh, because so many people are afraid of spiritual entities. Yes. And, you know, I communicate with them pretty much. I mean, I take a day or two off <laughs> a week. Yeah. But, but I pretty much uh, talk to spirits and communicate with spirits on a daily basis. And I don't believe that there's anything scary or spooky or negative about it. Now, I know a lot of the paranormal researchers uh, discuss encountering negative entities and, and things. And... Uh, uh, that that doesn't happen in in my sessions and my readings. Mm -hmm. Now, I've done readings where people who were murderers came through, and the, when yes. they were in this life, they were pretty despicable individuals. Right. But on the other side, they're you know they're dealing with a different perspective. They're not plagued by the mental illness that that caused them to be a sociopath or a psychopathic killer. So so that's always uh, very fascinating. But the the Fear is caused by the unknown and by ignorance, and the cure to that is understanding. Yes. Um, you know, and and once again, I, I every day on social media, people who were, would generally be cowards can be bullies on social media. They oh, write terrible yeah. things. Oh, well, the book of Leviticus says this. Yeah, well, the book of Leviticus says if your daughter's menstruating and walks into a, a house of worship, she should be put to death. So let's get over that, you know? Right, no, I know. They um, fall back on scripture for the wrong reasons. For, for entirely the wrong reasons. And um, I, I find that, that spirit communication is fascinating um, because it provides evidence that life is an eternal thing or an eternal state and that our consciousness does survive physical death. And through doing it, some people say, well, how would that help me? It's like, well, obviously you haven't lost a loved one. And then no. some some have lost loved ones will tell me, well, they're dead, they're dead, and I'm okay with that, and I don't think anything happens. And I think what they've done is they're afraid 
but yes. they have resorted to like nihilism. There is nothing, and I accept that, and that's a block um, away. It's like saying there there's a leak in in a pipe, and you just stick a piece of duct tape over it. You haven't fixed the leak. Yes. You're just containing it until it bursts later on. And the fact is that life is everlasting because energy is neither created nor destroyed, only transferred from one form to another. And that is is the first step in understanding the journey of the soul. Let me add something, Mark. And you said that, you know, you have did you um, did you ever have as a child? Because I know you said that your your family, you you know, there's they have that trait as a child. Did you start having entities trying to communicate, like use you, like, hey, I need you. You can see me or you can hear me. Did that oh, happen yeah. to you? <laughs> yeah, when I was about three, three to four, um, I started seeing, uh, you know, I had invisible friends and I'd sit there and talk to them. And I remember mom going, oh, this is great. I remember my dad like, oh, no. <laughs> um, so they knew what was going on. And, and they told me that, Mark, you can talk about this to us. Right. Just don't tell other people because they won't understand. And my dad was very upset. He was like, because people who see things that others don't get taken away. And I didn't realize he he was referring to what had happened to his sister. Yes. Um, and then uh, when I started school, I went to a Catholic school. And, um, you know, it's funny. As always, people say, oh, I'm always trashing the Catholic Church. I'm not. There's a lot of good things mm-hmm. about it. Um, there's a spirituality and an intellectual um, continuity for 2,000 years. I mean, the Vatican even issued a statement a few years ago that belief in extraterrestrials is, is completely acceptable because we cannot put a limitation upon the creative power of God. Yes. Tell me the Vatican doesn't know stuff. Oh, of course they <laughs> I mean, do. Of course, of they, course do. they do. I mean, they've been in business 2,000 years. Of they course they do. They have an incredible library, and not just anybody gets into the Vatican. Yeah, they, they, they have the pockets and the intellectual people there to do yes and when you look throughout throughout history many of the catholic saints were psychics and mediums yes but you know you join the church and nostradamus i I love nostradamus okay he's an advisor to uh king henry and queen catherine de medici of france all right and he is clearly a psychic he can see the future um and the uh, the Catholic, you know, France was basically an extension of the Catholic Church at that time, mm-hmm. and he got a complete pass. Why? Oh. He was so intellectual, so smart, and he operated within. Oh, this is a gift from God, and yeah. and all that. So he knew how to maneuver it, maneuver through all this. So when it has suited their purposes. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah, but um, that was always a very thin line they walk because you could be on the on the good side of it, and the next day you could become a heretic if you ever, in a way, either said something that criticized the sovereignty of the Catholic Church as being the oh, only yeah. link to God, then that's it. It's over. <laughs> I, I know. It must have been hard. I mean, look at Leonardo da Vinci. Yeah. You know, I mean, and it's funny because you read about, you know, we think of Leonardo as an old man and because he did a lot of self-portraits of himself when he was younger, but from uh, what my research is indicate, when he was young, he was quite handsome and muscular and he was extremely flamboyantly gay. Mm-hmm. And so he would come marching into the Vatican and all this with his entourage. He always had an entourage. They said Leonardo showed up with yeah. it. And I'm kind of, you know, I'm thinking like a, a medieval, you know, a Renaissance Johnny Versace, you know what I mean? Probably, and, yeah. Yeah, yeah but, but nobody could deny his genius and his yes. technical skill. And where he got a free pass is he was also good at um, designing weapon systems. 
Yes. And so when you start getting the backing of like the, the leaders of Rome and Florence and Naples and Milan, well, we'll just sort of turn a blind eye to his personal proclivities when right. at the same time other people were being executed. Oh, so yeah. it's all about, I guess, in those days, learning how to negotiate through that. Now, in the, the modern era, even though a lot of people in this country are looking at psychics and mediums as, you know, we're a bunch of goofballs. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I appeared on a very credible show, The Doctors. I've been on MSNBC and and uh, several other uh, TV shows like Great Day Houston, Atlanta and Company, Morning Blend. I mean, I could go through the through the whole whole nine yards. And I'm being interviewed by people who are fascinated with what I do. And also, Time Magazine released a statistic that over 30 million Americans per year consult with psychics. Yes. I mean, that's, that's almost 10% of the country. Mm -hmm. So we've come out of the fringe and are becoming more mainstream. Yes. However, in Middle Eastern and African countries, psychics are still put to death. Yes. So we, you know, we're making strides in the industrialized world and hopefully in in less developed or less enlightened intellectual areas. Um, let's let's pray for our brothers and sisters there who have the gift of second sight. Let me ask you, and, and this has been, been my experience, Mark, especially in academics or certain professions that usually they're like very like, hmm, you know, about psychics. When you get them by themselves and you ask them, they'll, they'll give you maybe more than one experience or story that they've had on a personal basis that makes them wonder, if not outright believe, in either the abilities of psychics or the other side or something, but they will never admit to it in front of their colleagues. Some will. And uh, Dr. Raymond Moody was one of the yes. first to come forward. Uh, I consider him a friend. He endorsed my book, Evidence of Eternity, and we talk occasionally. Also, Dr. Jeffrey Long, who is the founder of NDERF, the Near-Death Research Education Foundation. Uh, he and I were both speakers at the Edgar Casey Association and Virginia Beach's uh, uh, Reincarnation Summit last year. Um, Dr. Kenneth Ring also a near-death uh, researcher. Now we have Evan Alexander, my good friend, Dr. Gary Schwartz, who is uh, the head of neurology and uh, and he's an engineer as well at University of Arizona, is conducted extensive uh, studies on the afterlife. He's even working on technology to be able to communicate with spirits. So, and, and now what we're also seeing is physicists Yes. From um, at the Lebedev Institute in Moscow, the Ma Max Planck Institute in Germany. I mean, that's got to be like above physics, you know. Yes. Um, Oxford, MIT, uh, throughout the U.S. Uh, Institute in New South Wales and Australia. The Japanese—I can't even pronounce the Jap the name of the Japanese Physics Institute. It's mm -hmm. one of those, you know, really long, long names. And we're having physicists now saying that the afterlife does not violate the laws of physics. Yes. And that it appears that they call the, the soul, the quantum electromagnetic field temporarily housed in the brain, um, appears to stay coherent after physical death. Right. So we're beginning now, because traditionally, yeah, exactly what you said, scientists would never admit to it. But then you have these surgeons that see things they can't explain. Yes. You have physicists that are just, uh, finding discoveries and, and, and things that, that – only spirituality can explain. And so we're starting to see this this change in this shift. And that's a big part of the work that I do um, as an attorney is to present evidence. And so mm -hmm. in the lectures that I give, and 
I've got, I'll be speaking at the Spirit Symposium in Carlsbad, California, um, August 19th. That's a Sunday in Carlsbad, California. And the information is going to be up on my website shortly. Um, You know, they're they're putting it all together. Okay. Um, Also, I'll be speaking at IANS International Association Near Death Studies and the Afterlife Research Education Institute in Scottsdale about quantum physics. So we are... We are changing. We got a long way to go, but let me tell you, that door is open and it is not closing. Let me ask you, what do you think of, what do you think of what's going on in CERN with the, with you know, with what they're doing as far as, it's kind of personally, I think it's kind of scary. <laughs> as, oh, with CERN, uh, the, uh, um, the 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 accelerator. Yeah. You're, yeah. Um, well, it's actually fascinating too. Because yeah, it is. It is, but. Well, um, now, there's all right. The Higgs boson particle, and and uh, the media, and I, I will go out and I, I don't you normally use this term, but when they called it the God particle, that's fake news. Yeah. Okay. And here's why. The Higgs and boson. They said that this particle, and it and it isn't like oh this creates you know uh, the Higgs boson particle. Is about mass. Okay, it's it's how to determine mass and it's what gives things mass. Mm-hmm. And it was really difficult to find and locate, so they used to call I'm not going to say this on air, but the GD particle. Okay. Okay. And that's what they called it. And and the the journalist who was covering goes, well, I can't write that. He goes, I'll call it the God particle. Okay, so why not? Yeah. Of, All right. Just of how God created everything. When actually, what these physicists were saying, this GD particle is so hard to find, and then they did, and it was like woohoo! So, so yeah. of course, the media misrepresented it. Um, but CERN is also proving things that, uh, for example, a report in, um, in November of last year came out mm-hmm. uh, where they indicated that we should not even exist at all. Okay, because. The Big Bang was predicated on equal parts of matter and antimatter colliding. And when we think of matter and antimatter, we think of the Starship Enterprise, you know, because <laughs> uh, Captain, the, the antimatter, yes. the work it is like, Scott, you got to fix it. And of course, he does before the next commercial break. But, uh, <laughs> You're right. Um, <laughs> it's true. But but matter and antimatter are, are real things, and they're exact opposites. And so when they collide, there would be an explosion, but equal parts would leave nothing in its wake, a complete void. And what they, they said at CERN is that there are forces at work beyond our understanding. So in other words, it's more than just a matter-antimatter explosion. Right. There was creative impetus. Now, is it a white guy sitting on a throne? Oh, right, that I was going to say, what, you know, who did the, there's life, ding, you know, after the. Who did that? And then once again, that's one of those things you start yes. trying to think about. It just makes, you know, it gives you a headache because our brain right. simply can't wrap mm-hmm. around it. But uh, this is fascinating stuff. Yeah, that, it that, is. That, it is. Up. And sometimes I guess. Um, and, and and I don't know if you I, I personally I love technology and what it does for me you know where I live at and the benefits but at the same time I think also sometimes some of us it, it's speeding along so rapidly that we kind of a little bit fearful of it including when you hear things of this uh, when when you're talking about physics and uh, are, like in other words are we going into something that we know how to control or handle if we make a discovery well, Alexa scares me. Alexa, 
Turn on the lights. Thank you. Alexa, play this. Now Alexa's going to be able to start controlling our computers and our homes. I know. And it kind of reminds me of that old movie 2001, like, Dave, what are you doing, Dave? You know, the computer's shutting off everyone's oxygen. Exactly. Your computer's uh, named mother or father or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and you know, you wonder uh, because the science fiction of today becomes the science yes. reality of tomorrow all too yes. often. Yeah, and I think that, uh, like, I'm, I'm all for advancement, absolutely, scientific advancement, as long as we, whoever's doing the invention is, doesn't cost humanity their humanity, I guess, at the end of the day. <laughs> Do you know how horrified Albert Einstein was when he saw on the cover of Time magazine um, a depiction of a nuclear explosion and it said E equals MC squared in the middle of it? And he was so horrified that his theory of relativity had been the basis for splitting the atom and creating the most powerful destructive device known. And, you know, a lot of these scientists, you know, the Mm -hmm. Heisenbergs, the Albert Einsteins, the Max Planck's, um, the the Teslas, the Oppenheimers, yeah, you know, they they've had to work on these things, but they're horrified by it too. Yeah. In other words, they, they never also, thought that what they were doing was going to be taken, and this was going to yeah, and turned into to this type of thing, and and that's human nature. As soon as something, yeah. it's like when the internet gets invented, immediately there's porn on it. You know, I mean, it's like yeah. people have to immediately turn it into to something um well it's light and dark there's equal and opposite reactions i guess you know i mean alexa's need and all that but it's like how far is this thing gonna go right, and then oh right. well now it ties into your phone and it's like well then george orwell wrote you know almost a century ago now i guess or yeah in about 75 years um the book 1984 we said how the government is referred to as big brother and big brother is always watching mm-hmm. well we're kind of there and and but on the other side now as a lawyer perhaps mm-hmm. body cams and video cams on police officers and their cars are a good thing right. so that now we have an accurate and complete uh, depiction of what happened right also if if police officers know that they're constantly being under surveillance um, it will also change training techniques, confrontation yes. techniques, um, you know, and, and take us out of the he said, she said. Yeah. But on the flip side of the coin, is this then not Big Brother where we're all being watched all the time? And so it's like, ooh, we do live in an interesting yes. era. Yes, it is. It is. It's like there's always the upside, the downside. And basically what you're talking about is being monitored, okay, and for some some people can handle it mentally and some people can't uh well, it so it depends on who does the monitoring and yeah. what they will permit and tolerate yes. now let's say that isis had that type of technical capability let's say they con- conquered Whoa. the whole country of iraq and then all of a sudden you're under surveillance so if anything that you do does not fit their twisted version of of primitive islam you get put to death yes. now that's where we get into that big brother um, tyrannical dictatorship. You know, we like to think that, oh, well, American uh, Jeffersonian democracy and our kumbaya mentality is going to prevail, but will it? Well, you know what? And we have to see it uh, now what they have. Well, they've done away with them. I'm sure, well, you live in Florida. They'd county a lot of the traffic, not all of them, but some of the traffic cameras. Yes. Uh, you know, to the county or the city, whoever's installing them, they make perfect sense because we're saving money 
because of, let's say we don't need a police officer and we're making money because we're capturing all these people violating the law, either by whatever, you know, running a light or making an improper turn. But then at the same time, it, I think that, I believe in some cases, uh, they were removed because they were found that, that you couldn't have them. In other words, that they're not, uh, that they do have flaws. Yes. And that people were getting citations when they weren't. So that's what I'm thinking, that sometimes whoever is in putting in these te technological advances to help us, they if they don't put it in the right way, or like you said, that thing about you're always being watched, I, I, I think that works against us. It's like, who wants to live that way, especially as it increases? And of course, the thought will always be, we want to keep you safe. Uh, this is better for everybody. And... I kind of like so-so on that on that whole thing. Yeah, we 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 walk a fine line because yes. then who determines what is safe and what? And it's funny, um, um, uh, Marlene. These are very similar to discussions that we would have in law school, and mm -hmm. it will all come down to who decides. Yes. And the the American view is that the people decide, but is that the real? Is that the reality of it? No, I don't think you so. Know? A lot of times it's not. Yeah, at least in Russia. Um, they're honest about it. Putin decides, and I'm not and I don't like. <laughs> no, 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 exactly. I know what you mean, but there's no I, ambiguity I not, about it. Yeah, I do not like Vladimir Putin. I do not approve of him. But the thing is, he's acting as a very typical Russian leader. I mean, when has Russia been a place that people wanted to flock to to live in peace and love and harmony? I mean, come on. No. You've had the likes of Nikita Khrushchev. You had Brezhnev. You had Stalin, Lenin, and then you had the czars. I mean, Russia has never been the Republic of Kumbaya. No. Okay, and and everyone I know that used to live in Russia said they couldn't wait to get out of there. I mean, you never hear about a former Soviet republic where they say, "Gee, I wish the Russians, you know, were back." And no. the thing is, Russian people are fine. It's it's the tyrannical dictatorships yes. that tend to rule them. I mean, I've spent a lot of time in Germany too. I love the German people, but man, they like being told what to do. I mean, they really do. I I, I had a bunch of German friends over here, and they were like, "We do not like America because there are too many decisions." In Germany, you are told what to do you are told uh, where to go to school what you're going to study and what you'll do for a living i said yeah and that hasn't worked real well for you people no it's How like <laughs> no and you know I, I, and that's the thing at least the way i feel about it is you can't walk it back because once you live as an american with those freedoms and you have let's say like what you just say somebody's going to tell you well we we think you have your uh, you have a possibility of being a good this so this is what you're going to study or this is what you're going to do. I think it's like, that's it's called the revolution in the United States. Everybody will be like, what? No, no. But. Well, I know. It's like, you know, when you're in Europe, if like, if, if uh, like Germany, if the police came and says, we're rounding up 100 people, they'll all go stand in line. Okay, try rounding up 100 Americans and see what happens. No, it's you not. know, and it's like what you know, it's like it'll be like starting fights and all that, and and so so there, it's a double-edged sword on that yes. as well. Yes, it is. It I, is. I think that that there is no perfect, um, there is no perfect society or government, um, and and I, I believe as Winston Churchill did that it's an ongoing. Um, experiment. Of course it is. Uh, humanity and democracy, it's an ongoing thing. There's always competing values. There's always like, who decides. And I know a lot of people are unhappy with the political situation in this country. I was on a show yesterday, and, 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 and the first question was, well, can you explain this political turmoil? I says, well, when has it ever been wonderful? Okay. Was yes. it during 
Yeah, was it uh, during the Great Depression? Uh, how about World War II, Vietnam? What about living under the heel of the British Empire? Okay, <laughs> how, how wonderful was that? Oh, what about the bubonic plague, right? So there really has never been a, an era of just where everything was wonderful. Um, but we now are in an era where with media and technology, we're aware of what's going on. And through awareness, we can address problems yes. and make sure that no one branch of government um, overwhelms us. And sometimes this is a very, very precarious yes. situation. Yes, and, and, and unfortunately, I think that as human beings, we're all self-absorbed in the moment and we live, and like you said, we always think it's never been as bad as this. It's like, this is it, but you point out, no, there's always been a something happening, let's say for that generation at that time period, which for them might seem like, I don't want to say the end of the world, but it's like it's never been as bad as this. What's going on? It's like everybody's had some version of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, people talk about the good old days. Okay. <laughs> All right. The 1950s. Well, talk to some of your African-American friends and see what their parents and grandparents yeah. had to say about the good old days. Yes. Uh, so, so, you know. Uh, do I think we'll all ever join hands and sing Kumbaya and get along? I think it's possible, but mm -hmm. I don't think it's going to happen today. But even if it isn't possible and it isn't happening today, it doesn't mean we shouldn't try. Absolutely not. And, and it comes down to to treating people the way you want to be treated. Yes. This is one of the key uh, spiritual philosophical beliefs uh, that lead to enlightenment. When you start to treat other people the way you want to be treated, do unto others or do not do unto others as you don't want them doing to you, this starts it, – it's, it's what Gandhi said about be the change you want to see in the world. Yes. Okay, If somebody believes different than you or looks different than you, don't judge and hate them and don't do violence. And the same thing applies yes. to them. You know, they, they need to and, – and the fact is I think that we all can get along. Yes. But – but it's going to probably be at least another century before the mentality of segregation and a lot of these prejudicial um, yeah. uh, notions um, evolve. Yeah. Um, it, it, anyway, but no, well, no, and I personally think people un yeah. people misunderstand. They say everybody get along, like you said, a kumbaya moment. Getting along does not mean you even have to like certain people. You may not like them, but you don't attack them. You all coexist. You're yeah, respect them and yeah. and leave them alone. Um, I, you know, I remember yeah. seeing a, a cross burned on somebody's lawn when I was a little kid. You know, because the lady that was living in the house dated a black guy or an mm -hmm. African American guy, and it was like, so what? You know, and my family is from up north, and we moved down to to Florida, and we saw this, and it was like, huh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't get this. Right. You know, and and now that. It, I don't really see much of that happening no. these days. I'm not saying that it can't. No. But but uh, we do move forward. We do progress. Yes. I think I think like I tell everybody, I'm a humanist. I always think that humans being in the end, we will triumph. I, I'm a big. I believe in humans and humankind. Instead of I first. do too. I, I'm with you there, Marlene. I I agree. And I'm not going to say mankind. I don't know if you saw the other day about that clip that they show where Trudeau kind of like corrected this poor lady who was asking him a question because she said mankind. And he said, it should be people kind. I was like, oh, my God, you're being censored by the president of your country. He's like, what is going on? It's That's that's a whole I, that's a whole nother show. But anyway, Mark, <laughs> let me ask you. And, and I think it's fascinating that you have this ability of being a psychic medium. 
of dealing with the unseen world, but then you're an attorney. As you grew up and you decided to go into the law, how did you manage or how did you handle this? Um, well, I originally wanted to be a Catholic priest because I was always oh, okay. spiritual. I know, but I thought there was too many rules and regulations and it was too restricting. And, and then when I was a teenager, it's like, you have to not do what? All right. So I didn't, I wasn't it. interested in that. Um, and I decided not to, and, and it's not unusual for, for mediums to be drawn to the spiritual. And I, I found law very appealing because I, I, uh, felt that, I could be able to help people, and and I like to speak publicly, and I like the whole idea of evidence. So, so I went to law school, and then when I started practicing law, I saw that in, intuition and gut instinct, which are just labels for psychic ability, came in mm -hmm. very handy, particularly sure. in in you know sizing up a situation or people or especially in trial mm -hmm. um and as things as i started getting uh, older i found that my psychic ability not only it never left me it's always been there and part mm -hmm. part of me it's just that you, i was sort of ignoring it because i was so focused on school and work and you know being a being a kid and all that um but it it when I finally got out of law school, it started intensifying so much to the point where I got to the the position where it was more important for me and my life's mission to connect people with loved ones on the other side than okay. it was to actively practice law. So now I come on shows like this and, you know, I talk about politics and, yeah. and um, high-profile cases, and I do legal analysis. I also do work on cold cases okay. using my ability as a psychic medium as opposed to representing people. I was on a show the other day, and that callers, and everyone wanted to call up asking real estate problems, and it's like, um, you know, I – I was never a real estate attorney, so don't ask me that. You know? <laughs> um, and and uh, and so what I do is is um, I I'm an illegal analyst in high profile cases, but the main thrust of my work now is to use the analytical skills that I have okay. as an attorney and apply them to an understanding of the afterlife to explain it to people in a way that can uh, they can help understand and to remove the fear and superstition associated with the afterlife and spirit communication. Okay, and, and that makes perfect sense. Um, like one thing does not exclude the other. Uh, no, no, they don't. I mean, people think, you know, as a psychic, I need to be wearing, you know, flowers in my hair, run around flinging granola at people. And as a lawyer that, you know, I only come out at night when my fangs grow and I suck the lifeblood out of people. I mean, I mean, believe me, I mean, I, I hear all the jokes and 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 uh, and and the insults and things that, that people fling at both professions. But when it comes down to this, both jobs in their pure sense are about helping people and in their most practical are about the use of evidence. Um, attorneys need evidence in court and a psychic medium, I'm an evidential medium, so I have to bring forth pieces of information and facts and verifiable um, things that, that can prove that the spirit I'm communicating with is the person that's reaching out from the other side, as opposed to, oh, your uncle's here and he loves you. Well, most people's uncles love them, but if I tell you what he looked like, what he died from, his quirks yeah. and habits, his name, uh, date of birth, you know, all these type of things, 
um, that's evidential mediumship. And so that's what I find so appealing about my background in evidence being used in my spiritual work. And let me ask something, Mark. Do you have, because like you said, you might have people coming to you saying, I want to connect with this person that passed away. I imagine most of the time just to make sure that they're okay. But do you have it the other way around where you have somebody who's passed on come to you and say, I need to pass this message on to so-and-so? You know, especially if let's say they died suddenly uh, or under tragic circumstances. I, I need to tell them either forgive me or I love you or I'm okay. Do you ever have it work that way? In, in the strangest ways. Um, I was, I was with a friend and we were driving, um, I live on the barrier Island and we had to go into town and, and I needed to go to, I don't know, Ace Hardware or something like that. I was doing something, you know, I have a house, so there's always something that needs fixing. Mm -hmm. And so a friend of mine, we're driving and, uh, I said, you know, I really want to take this other route route home. And he goes, well, it's going to take longer. And I says, I don't know. I just need to do it. And I kept humming the Beatles song, Hey Jude. I'm like, Hey Jude. Da, da. He goes, that's a cool song, but what's up with that? I go, I'm not sure. And then we're driving by an art show. And I go, oh, I want to stop and look at the art show. So we pull over, and he goes, okay. And so we're walking around, and there was all these people doing sidewalk art. And I go, oh, let's go check out the sidewalk art. And I was directed right to this one lady, and I stood there. And, she, oh, she was an amazing artist. I mean, she was doing this rainforest frog. I mean, it looked like a photograph. I mean, she was just incredible. And she looks up at me, and she goes, you're Mark Anthony, aren't you? And I go, yeah. She goes, you did a reading for me a couple years ago oh. for my son who committed suicide. I go, oh, my gosh, I remember you. And she said, today is the anniversary of his death. Wow. And, and I well, I keep hearing the song, Hey Jude. She, she hands me her card, and her name as an artist is Jude. What? And, and, and I, I'm, I'm my friend's standing there, and he goes, Oh my God! He goes. Every time I'm around you, freaky things happen. I can. And, and, and all of a sudden, a message from her son came through. She burst into tears. She hugged me. She goes, "Oh my God!" And here was the coolest thing, Marlene. She was from like a hundred miles away. This yes. was an art show, and she said, "I wasn't even planning on going to this art show, but something told me." Something meaning her her son planted the the suggestion that she needed to come and be there that day, and there is no way that this was a random or chance event. I mean, it just, right I that you're cross bisected that. Wow. Yeah, and, and I wasn't even. And the funny thing is, the causeway that I'm gonna was gonna be taking home was a lot further from getting back home than the causeway that I used to get from the barrier island to the mainland, but I had to go that route. That is so, that is such a great story. Yeah. So, you know, these 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 spirits are around us all the time. People need to stop being afraid of them. If you get a feeling like of of a, a loved one around you take the feeling accept it give yourself permission to have it if you are always directed to a let's say a penny and you see a penny on the side when you pick it up and you think of aunt martha well that's okay that's a sign from aunt martha allow yourself to have these if you have a dream and it feels real and they talk to you and you feel better after the dream accept it because spirits do reach out to us okay it's learning how to recognize the signs and go with it let me ask something, Mark. And I mean, I understand like when people are fresh in their grief, they're fresh in their grief. What advice do you give sometimes to people 
who don't want to move beyond it. They want to have that almost continuous connection with a loved one that's passed on, whether it's a child, a parent, a, a spouse, um, that at some point I would think that you want to let this person do whatever it is that they do on the other side. Uh, have you ever encountered that where people just do not want to let go and move beyond the grief? Oh, every day, uh, every day. Uh, I don't say every day, but <laughs> most days. Um, the, grief is a lifelong process. You never get over a loved one. Mm -hmm. um, you get to the point where you learn to live with the pain. Yes. And, but the problem with grief is, as and I say this in my book, Never Letting Go, is it can take on a life of its own and become your life. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's people who they haven't changed the room since their child died. Right. You know, they have the shrine to them. I mean, or they cry every day and all they say is, I want him here. What you have to do, first off, let people grieve. All right. right. Uh, you know, don't be telling someone a week or two, get over it, get over it. Let them grieve. Yeah. But there's going to come a point when you get through the initial shock of the grief and they move into the trauma phase, which mm -hmm. is uh, the pain that we live with, um, let them go through that. But there does come a point where they have to accept the reality of the death. Yes. It is through that acceptance that they will then um, let go of the sorrow associated with the death, but never let go. That's the reason my book's called Never Let It Go, Never Let Go of the Love for the Person Who Died. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that this is easy. Right. Uh, I'm not saying that it is you're going to be all happy, but you have to get to the point where you start to have inner peace. Yes. Because otherwise, your your ego the, the, in your brain can torture you with guilt and yes. regret and remorse and I should have, could have, would have. Exactly. I was going to say that guilt, I think, has got to be one of the biggest things that almost like if I don't feel guilty about this, if I forget or not, don't make it as fresh, then I'm somehow betraying this person. And I imagine your work has got to, you know, ease so many hearts when you tell them, you know, as a communication from that person that passed on, it wasn't your fault or you did everything you could or what, whatever it is. Oh, sure. Sure. And, and, you know, they need to hear it. And, um, but you know, all I, you know, my responsibility is to convey the information being transmitted to me in the clearest and most accurate means possible. Um, my job is not to sermonize or mm -hmm. to judge. Now, after the reading, they may want to ask questions and I may add some input. Um, but everybody grieves, grieves in their own way. Um, sometimes I get problematic people. Like I was doing a reading for this one lady and her husband came through and he brought up something. It was like his favorite type of sandwich. I go, well, that's significant. She starts screaming at me. No, it's not. No, it's not. I go, I want him here. I go, he is here. No, he's not. I go, ma'am, why did you bother coming to me? And she started getting all angry at me. And I was trying to explain to her that when a spirit comes in, um, they're pure electromagnetic energy and they're emitting waves of frequency to me and I'm going to start picking up on things like their favorite sandwich or their song they liked or a shared memory between you because they are able to emit a, a huge array of information which is more than our finite human brain can process. So when their electrical field is interfacing with mine, I'll start picking up on various pieces of evidence because that is how the spirit is aligning its frequency with my brainwave frequency. We're tuning right. into each other. And if I have someone that's just screaming at me, shooting down everything, oh, yes, he liked that type of sandwich, but that doesn't matter, and he's not here, and then there's no point. 
because what they're doing is they're flooding the energetic field with negativity and the spirit will back off. And I certainly feel for these people, but if you're going to come to a medium, don't disrespect us, don't shoot everything down, and don't have a really negative attitude. If, If you don't believe it and don't want to do it, then don't come. Right. I mean, and that, that's how I look at it. I, I never force anybody for a reading, but if people seek me out, I will open up to frequency. They will come in, and I will present what I'm getting. But if all I get is criticism and, and antagonistic responses, and what they're doing, Marlene, mm-hmm. is they're so angry and they're so hurt, yes. they're taking it out on me. And, and I understand that, okay? And that's yes. a very normal and human thing to do, but that's not necessarily the correct approach to spirit communication no it's not it's not and um and have you ever had like what you were explaining where you're communicating with somebody's spirit where i don't know if part of your ability besides communicating with them is to feel maybe what they felt where in other words you you start physically feeling it besides being able to see it in your mind's eye has that ever happened to you especially if it's something disagreeable that happened to that person maybe the circumstances of the way they died absolutely and if people go to my youtube channel if you go to my website which is Mm evidenceofeternity.com please subscribe to my youtube channel follow me on facebook twitter instagram um um, indie uh sign up for my newsletter uh but my videos you'll see that when a spirit comes in i see them hear them feel them i'll smell things taste things okay the sixth sense has different aspects to it there's clairvoyance which is seeing there is clairaudience hearing there's clair savance which is knowing information there's clairsentience which is the ability to feel see and hear so initially i'll get a gender then i may um, get a visual on them usually prior to passing because you know if uncle joe comes in looking eight years old you'll be like who are you Uh, (laughs) because they want us to know who they are and then they're going to start and then i'll start feeling sensations throughout my body which will indicate uh the cause of passing okay um and um and then um, they're going to start getting information, uh, start transmitting deeper information to me. And that's why I always tell people in my pre-reading discussion, avoid going directly to no. Because some people, no, 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 on everything. Like I was doing a reading for this one woman and the spirit of her 14-year-old son came through. And all of a sudden, I hear and see Napoleon. And I'm, and I'm a history buff, so I'm thinking Napoleon Bonaparte. No, 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 no. I said, okay, well, I'm a dessert guy too, so I'm thinking Napoleon's. No, 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 no. Okay. No matter what I was giving her, she was shooting it down. So I get an email from her after the reading. She says, I can't believe it didn't connect with me that my son's favorite movie of all time was Napoleon Dynamite. And she goes, all I did was shoot every single thing down, and I feel so bad. She goes... Um, he used to come home every day from school, pop it into the video, oh. watch a couple bits of it, laugh about it. She goes, now I know it was my son, and I have to apologize for being so rude. And wow. and I'm so, it's, it was so nice of her to, to do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, another, if I can do another quick example. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> this other lady, this is hilarious. Well, it's not, it was funny now. It's not funny at the time. Her Her son comes through, her adult son. And I'm seeing jars of pickles. I go, I'm tasting, seeing pickles, pickles everywhere. No. Are you sure? No. Does it make any sense? No. I go, ma'am, he will not let go of pickles. No, no, no. I go, I'm getting pickles. She goes, pickles make absolutely no sense. I go, are you sure? She goes, well, 
I live across the street from a pickle factory where they put pickles <laughs> in a jar. I go, well, then that's a yes. No, it isn't. I go, yes, it is. Well, he didn't know that. I go, he knows it now. Well, how would he know that? I go, ma'am, he's a spirit. They're pure energy. They're aware of this. Yeah, but we moved here after he died. He didn't know that. This doesn't make sense. It- yeah, I get it. And she so went on for 10 minutes and finally said, ma'am, I do not throw out random condiments hoping to get a hit. Okay. The yeah. fact is, your son's letting you know he is around you and aware of what's happening, and you live across the street from a pickle factory. She goes, "Oh, well, I guess you're right." I mean, <laughs> come on. What are the chances you're going to pick up on a pickle of all things? A, a, a pickle. I mean, <laughs> a pickle. He's like, and and, and I I, I've seen that in some instances where people get so focused that unless it's that exact thing that they're thinking is going to be. The not, uh, that information that I know absolutely, it's like, you never know. They're trying to throw you something and you're so, you know, got the blinders on that if that's not the evidence, then they discount everything else. Yeah, or it's like, well, he had light brown hair. No, he had sandy blonde hair. It's like, oh, okay, for, yeah, right. you know. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 exactly, exactly. They're desperate uh, for that confirmation, but it's almost like they are afraid of... Almost like they want, but they don't want at the same time that confirmation. Well, I think it stems from, number one, most people do not engage in spirit communication. Um, And so they think it's texting or instant messaging. Number Mm -hmm. two, a lot of these TV shows where you have mediums, um, the the medium may do an hour-long reading, and then it's edited down to uh, 25 to 30 seconds of wow moments as opposed to the I don't know, I don't know, that doesn't make sense, uh, you know, because people are thinking about it. Number three, um, people are are afraid, and what's happening is the fear is flooding their mind so they're not uh, not, um, recognizing things. And then number – the next problem – is that they're hyper analyzing everything yes. and they expect well if uh, he had sandy blonde hair for me to say sandy blonde instead of say light brown or um i don't understand pickles although i live across the street from a pickle factory i mean that's a... uh, you know yeah and and so it has to do more with it's like dream interpretation what does that mean to you so mm-hmm. if i was doing a reading for you and go well you show me pickles what does that mean for you well i live across the street from a pickle factory that would be a yes okay yep. And and I and I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people with this thing of the dreams I tell them, you know, like I said, you know, your mind speaks to you in symbols. And for example, I dream of a tiger, and to me, it's the symbol of fear, something that's going to eat me. You dream of a tiger, and to you, it's an animal of power. Yeah. <laughs> and it's two different interpretations depending on the mind that's thinking it or what it Beautiful. means to that person. So I imagine that is is that what happens to you, Mark? That when the spirit is communicating with you it communicates with symbols that you understand and then of course you relay it as to what you're seeing that's that's perfect i'm so glad you brought that up because um certain symbols may mean one thing to me but something different to you and i tell the client the very first thing it hits you and i want you to feel don't think Mm -hmm. is you go with that because the reading's not about me it's about you and so let's say that um i i see a sapphire Okay, to me, a sapphire is the birthstone for the month of September, so it can indicate either a piece of jewelry with a sapphire or a significant event in the month of sapphire. 
But then the client says, that doesn't make sense. But, you know, I used to have a cat named Sapphire that I loved very much. Exactly. Well, guess what? Sapphire the kitty cat's coming on through. Right. And that, that, so we go with the client's interpretation over mine. It was like the Napoleon thing. If, if the, the client, um, if I was getting Napoleon, and I'm a history buff, so I'm thinking Napoleon Bonaparte right. or I'm a, I'm a, I like desserts. <laughs> so I'm thinking right, well, Napoleon. But if she was said, well, you know, his favorite movie was Napoleon Dynamite, then that's yes. what we go with. Or like you said, that sapphire, in your mind, you see a cat, you would tell her, I see a cat, and she'd be like, well, okay. But if you want that that personalized information from that person that's passed on, he's giving you the information that specifically relates to, like you said, this was the name of the cat. So, okay, it's not the cat, it's the name of the cat, so that's how you know it's me. Well, then there's the people that, that hold out on information. I was doing a reading for this couple over the phone, and I saw a World War One biplane. I said, does that make any sense? No. Are you sure? No. To the husband, anything with you? No, 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 no. So I get an email from them six hours after the reading, and the lady says, I can't believe I forgot back when I was in high school 20 years ago, my dad was a pilot, and he owned a World War One biplane. Now, I don't know how you forget that, but I she know. did. And her husband said, on our last, he wrote too, he goes, I have to apologize. On our last anniversary, we went for a flight on a replica of a World War I biplane. But since I couldn't figure out why it was making sense, I just said no. Wow. See? So it's like, so a lot yeah. of times my job's very, very difficult. I can um, Because you get this resistance and um, you have to cut the people slack. But what, what happens is when they no 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 that that negative two they they back off and and so you have to if it doesn't make sense say I'm not sure let me think about it leave the energetic door open and inevitably I'll get oh my gosh now right. that makes sense yes and the, and and I imagine that I want to say that despite human nature being what it is, despite the yearning that they might have to connect with this person that's passed on, believe it or not, I think there's also resistance that once you get that absolute confirmation, it opens up all these possibilities. And as human beings, we're kind of a little bit resistant, especially if that confirmation tilts your worldview, your paradigm on its side. So there's always that resistance to like, well, my God, you know, there is this life after death and we can communicate. And then, you know, your mind extrapolates all the things that come with it. So I think well, that there's a, a resistance at some level also, like you said, where they kind of pick as that if it's not exactly that information, then no, 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 no. So Right. And sometimes future events are transmitted. I was doing a reading for this couple. It was in public and, and it was uh, in Texas. And the spirits zeroed in on the woman's husband. They were a younger couple, like they're in their late 20s. Um, maybe they were 30. And I said, there is something about, so I was saying, you know, the spirits are saying your GI tract and your colon. And he's rolling his eyes and they're giving me attitude. They're being very disrespectful. And, and it was frustrating because I'm in front of 100 plus people. I go, they won't let go. There's a problem. I said, you need to get some type of blood test to see what your white blood cell count is. Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Rolling the eyes, you know giving me attitude so I let him go I'm not going to fight with people I get an email about six weeks later and she said I really the wife said I really wish we would have taken your advice and gone for a blood test 
because 10 days after the reading, my husband's appendix burst. The infection was so bad, they had to remove a large part of his colon, and now he's on a colostomy forever. Oh. And it's like, I really hate being right sometimes. Yes. And yes. But when a psychic, you know, when somebody like me is saying the spirit is focusing on this part of your body, you need to get it checked, instead of rolling your eyes yes. and no, 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 it's a lot like... <clears throat> um, well, things like this happen quite a bit, and, and people don't want to hear it. So what if I was wrong? What if I interpreted that wrong? Well, big deal. So yeah. you went to the doctor and got a blood test, okay? But if I'm right, and, and most of the time in these situations, I was doing a reading for this couple, and they brought their son, their college-age son, this couple, really, really sweet people, and they had another son who died, and he came through, and he was given really great information, and they were teary-eyed and, and very nice people, and all of a sudden, I lock onto the son who's here, and the message comes out of my mouth, you are not to go hand gliding, and all oh. of a sudden... The kid's jaw drops, and mom and dad look at him. He goes, I'm supposed to go hand gliding in the Florida Keys next week. Your mother goes, the mother goes, like oh, hell you are. <laughs> it's like, you're not going anywhere. Even if I have to tie you up and put done. you in the closet. And the, kid, the young guy goes, he goes, Mr. Anthony, he goes, message received loud and clear. I'm not going to do that. So these people were very respectful and very yes. open. But, I mean, coming right out of, I mean, his brother said, do not go hand gliding. Wow. Okay. And uh, and they're really sweet people. They've been back uh, a number of times uh, to see me. Uh, funny thing, I have to say this: their son's name, and and I don't want to you know divulge anything about them, but their son's name was Matthew. Okay. Okay. And so this was like I guess it was like two years ago. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it was two years, about two years. And uh, the reading I think was in in February, or March, and I said your son Matthew says clean the storm drains clean the gutters clean the rain gutters clean the drains he goes something about a massive influx of water and they're like okay hurricane matthew hit us full on wow. like four or five months later and there was massive flooding yes. and i remember i saw them and they said isn't that interesting the way our son matthew um, was telling us about the hurricane about named Matthew, and they go, and we did. We cleaned out all the drains, and they yes. said our property was saved because the storm drain out in front of our house had a bunch of grass and stuff, you know, blocking mm -hmm. it. So we cleaned it all out. So none of this is random. None of this is coincidental. Yes. This is synchronicity, exactly. and spirits are all part of that. And that is the information they're transmitting. And the wise people will, if if a if a word of caution is transmitted. They will, they will listen to it. Sure. And here's the thing: if I was wrong, so then they cleaned out their storm drains. Big deal. Yeah, big deal. Big deal. It's, and, and the thing is that, um, it's and and I like that aspect because of what you said. I mean, obviously, what the advice that he gave to his brother was life or death in the sense of don't go hand gliding. But this advice, it was like almost like a practical. Like if I was there, I would help you. You know, I want to help you even in regular mundane stuff like clean out the drains because this is going to happen to avoid oh, yeah. flooding. I, I, I was doing one reading and the, the, the young lady's father came through, his spirit came through. And the first thing is like, 
you know, she's expecting love messages of love. He said, <laughs> pay, pay your insurance premium. Yes. So I say that to her, and she goes, that's really strange. I go, why? She goes, well, I own all this commercial property, and the premium for the insurance came in the mail yesterday. Do you think that's what he's talking about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's, and that's the thing that, from what I understand, when you're on the spirit side, time is not linear the way we see it. They can see, you know, what, or what's around the curve time-wise. Yes, yes, because exactly. Time is not linear. Even Einstein was saying that apparently uh, space seems to bend and curve, which uh, could possibly lend itself to, if we can figure out how to do that, to traversing great distances in space in a, in a shorter amount of time. But anyway. Um, yeah, but, that would but, be like, well, of course, okay. hopefully we'll we'll get there eventually. If not, we're never going to do much space travel <laughs> any great yeah. length. <laughs> I mean, distance I anyway. I'll be, I'll be landing on Mars anytime soon. However, Elon Musk certainly is giving us hope. So. Yes, yes. I do think, just Marlene's version, I think we are going to be the first Martians eventually. I, I, I hope. I hope so, and uh, let's hope that uh, we treat Mother Mars better than we have Mother Earth. Oh, well, lessons learned. Anyway, Mark, thank you so very, very much for spending this time together. It has been absolutely wonderful to speak to you and all the information, and I know I'll have uh, links to the show uh, directly to your website uh, in you. case anybody wants to contact you or for the books. And before we go, I'm going to ask again. You said you were working on a new book. I know I you can am. only give out a little bit of information. Well, it's going to um, – a lot of things we talked about, about synchronicity and quantum physics, it's mm -hmm. going to get into that. But it also have very practical and healing applications for okay. people who – want to enhance their own awareness of, of uh, spiritual entities. Okay. And uh, so I'm working on that. And uh, my website is evidenceofeternity.com, which is just like my, my latest book, Evidence of Eternity, which, Marlene, and this is the first show that I'm getting to announce this, as of February 13th, 2018, Evidence of Eternity will be an audio book. And Yay! Be, uh, yes, and a lot of people have been asking about it. So you just go to my website, and there'll be a click, click here, and It'll, yes. uh, you get the audio download, and um, I'm very excited about that. It's it's in French, Polish, Serbian, really? Slovak, Estonian, uh, and um, um, gosh, I'm forgetting something. And same thing, Never Letting Go is in about four different languages now. Wow. So so my books are are continuing to expand worldwide in several languages. So that is and now excellent. In audio. Yeah, I'm, that is I'm fantastic. Very happy about that. And I hate to say it because of the pace of life sometimes that we have, it's just easier sometimes to listen to things versus oh, sure. be, having a book in front of you. Sure. I mean, especially if you have to commute for work. Yeah. You know, it's nice to be able to sit and listen to it um, if you're driving or even if you're on a, a bus or a subway, mm -hmm. you pop in the ear pot, you know, and you, you listen to it. So um, yes. very happy about that. Yes. So thank you fantastic. so much for having me on Absolutely. your show. I, I look forward to returning. Absolutely. And thank you so much. Take care. All right. God bless. Likewise. Bye-bye. Oh, wow, guys. I don't know about you, but I loved this interview. <laughs> Uh, you know, you know me. I love all my interviews. I love all my guests. Okay, I love all my guests. But what Mark was talking about is very dear to my heart uh, because, <clears throat> you know, because uh, Hollywood and reality TV, everything that has to do with spirits or ghosts, and 
don't get me wrong. I love that part of it too. I do. I do like the, the, the scare factor and that it's become more mainstream. But at the same time, um, I think that a lot of the ghost hunting sometimes strips, um, if you want to call it a haunting, the fact that what you're looking at or what you might be involved in is a human soul that might be confused and doesn't know exactly what happened to it. And I myself, I've personally um, been working with groups, uh, this was many years ago in Key West, where they had asked me to go and participate uh, prior to, you know, being filmed. And I came across uh, a child spirit and the team leader absolutely forbade me to cross the spirit over. I was like, are you kidding me? First of all, I did whatever I want. I'm not going to let. But to me, it was like, in other words, they want to use the value of the haunting for um, for money making. Because this building or this whatever is they're making, they're making money off of it. And I think that's absolutely wrong. And getting back to what Mark is saying in this whole thing of the ghost hunting and the paranormal investigations, we kind of lose touch that if what we're talking about is really truly a human spirit or human soul that for some reason is anchored here, it could be a number of reasons that you're ultimately still talking about a human being. Okay. And, you know, even when, when we were talking, uh, original, you know, the first part of the show, which is about you, the way humans treat other humans, regardless of their beliefs. Well, I think that that regard for, humans even if they're deceased or their spirits we still have to have that all right we still have to have that um and i know sometimes some people say well you know sometimes it's negative well you know even you know negative if somebody let's say was a rotten human being and i've said it before sometimes when you pass on you might not be the nicest person but still no less deserving of at the very least of understanding that you're still dealing with a human soul a human soul that might be trapped misguided anchored fear of judgment fear that hey i maybe did horrible things when i was alive and i'm afraid of what's going to come next for me which is a total misunderstanding because i don't i don't believe in that you're going to burn in hell i just think uh for some people as far as their self-awareness their soul is the worst isn't that confrontation of seeing what you did or what the effect was that you did to other human beings. And some people will say, well, if you're a psychopath, it doesn't matter. But maybe when you pass on that psychopath part of you that didn't have any remorse is not there anymore. So you actually feel the remorse of maybe what you did when you were alive. That's a whole nother show. But anyway, I love speaking to Mark because again, Part of what he does is demystifying what happens to us as human beings, our self-awareness of who we are once we shed this body. And I've spoken about this before, okay? And that we're more than this. This is just a vehicle that we use this one time while we're here. Uh, Because if you exist on this plane, you need as a spirit, as a soul to inhabit something to 
to affect, to move things, to grab, to, you, you know, on this plane, on this dimension, you need a body. And that's the way it should be. And then once you pass on, then the body's not necessary anymore. And you're like he described, you're working at a different frequency. And your understanding spatially and linear is different. Uh, and, and I wasn't kidding when I said also, I can understand, especially when you're talking sometimes even the loss of a child, where people want to communicate. And I think that it eases their heart to know that that person is okay. And like he said, that every once in a while, they drop back in and they kind of give you a heads up about something. But I think sometimes there's also the danger, and I've seen it before, where people, they, instead of living their lives they sh- the way they should, like he said, they never go through those stages of grief. They just become everlasting stuck in it. And in other words, they want to bend reality which is this person is not living anymore. They and they, they they want to twist and turn reality somehow to make it back the way it was. And then that's when you start seeing them go to mediums constantly back to back. Or like he said, that they uh, leave everything the way it was and they don't want to change and a whole series of things. And I'm sure he's come across it sometimes. Um, and I'm sure he respects uh, the confidentiality, but... I'm sure that he has run across maybe people where he's saying, okay, this person coming to me, it's it's unhealthy. This person is not going into the acceptance that this loved one, whoever it was, is not on the physical plane anymore and that they can't live their life trying to pretend that that's not the reality of what it is. Um, and I, I've seen that. But anyway, getting back to, I like, like I said, the paranormal investigations and the scare factor. I've, but at the same time, when you put that aside to one side, like I said, you always got to remember that you're talking about human beings or the human soul, the self-awareness of what makes us what we are. And I believe there's even now recent studies where uh, before it was thought that your self-awareness or your spirit or your animus whatever you want to call it. It wasn't in the heart, it was in the brain. And uh, as a matter of fact, that that's why, you know, there was these people that were that were uh, being, um, basically their, their brains, their heads were being frozen. And with the thought that eventually, whenever science made advancements, they would bring you back to life. And there's studies now that even think that that's not even really where the soul resides as far as self-awareness, as far as like if your brain is kept alive or frozen or you know whatever okay in other words there's still kind of a question mark as to really what makes us us where it really is and that's kind of a hard thing to do because it's a spirit that's one of those we could get all esoteric about it but anyway guys i really hope you like this show uh please uh subscribe to me whether you're watching me on youtube or you're listening to any of my podcasts shows on itunes uh iHeartRadio, Mixcloud. I'm all over the place. Wherever you find me at, please subscribe so you can get notifications when I release a new show. Also, you can download it, what we were talking about, what Mark was saying sometimes uh, because of the way our lifestyle is with commuting, especially where you're at. Um, you know, you can just download an MP3 file and listen to it. Uh, or if sometimes you're at work, you know, the, you can't be watching something, but 
Maybe you're doing some type of work that allows you to safely listen to something while you're working or at lunch. I used to do that all the time. I used to read. Well, this was before, you know, I used to read, but hey, I, even now I do it, you know, where sometimes it's just easier with what I'm doing to multitask. I know we're all guilty of that, to be listening to something because if not, I'll, I'll miss out on it. I'll miss out on it. So by all means, please subscribe. Uh, if, if you find something that you really like, please like it. I'm, again, my true believers, don't forget about me. Send me your stories, whatever they might be. Go to MiamiGhostChronicles.com. Go to submit your story. There's a tab there for that. Also, I did want to let everybody know because I mentioned that, you know, that uh, I, I consider myself, because of my degree of subconscious behaviorist and a hypnotherapist, I, I'm study, starting up a separate channel for uh, basically hypnosis uh recordings and and the reason why I'm doing that is it's it's called hypnosis-diy.com and is I used to have a lot of clients come to me and uh, we used to address different things whether it was they wanted to stop smoking uh, healthy habits weight control some of them were insomnia or anxiety is that you know we all worked on it but they couldn't come keep coming to them and one of the things I found was very very important to keep them rolling along was that I would give them recordings either to de-stress because in other words whatever progress I made sometimes what you encounter along the way in daily life sets you back because sometimes we have a lot of negative stuff coming at us intentionally and unintentionally so you know uh, I used to give them little recordings where I would say you know you need to listen to this so that you get a good night's sleep because that makes everything that makes a big difference believe it or not just to whatever it is your problem is uh, and uh, relaxation and, uh, and and I found that a lot of them would call me up months afterwards because I would give this to them to work with at the beginning when we were doing a few sessions and they would tell me hey I'm still using that and I realized that we all because hypnosis you could put yourself under self-hypnosis there is a part that's beneficial to having what I call a DIY a do-it-yourself approach which is where you learned to open your mind up and basically open your subconscious mind to accept certain habits or belief systems that are beneficial to you that normally you just keep spitting it out because you're scared of change that's a whole nother show also I'm gonna I, I'm gonna see if I do another show I've had a lot of requests for that but anyway guys keep an eye out for that to believers don't forget about me and again guys thank you so very very much for being part of my audience I think you're all wonderful and uh, I look forward to uh, presenting another show to you guys and hearing from you. So take care.